Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. Is the church already in schism? Or are we merely only headed in that direction? That is the question being asked by one author whose very interesting article will serve as a springboard to discuss this question with some of the news items of the day because all signs point to a schism already being here in the church now in our time or that we are at least headed for one unless something drastically changes in rome schism is not something any reasonable catholic wants to see for our lord commanded us to be one and he gave us an earthly head to follow in his name who is the visible sign of unity in the church yet a schism has been brewing in the church for many years now and in our time it's so apparent that even normal typical Everyday Catholics are asking what has happened to the church. So let's have a look at the article in question because it will help us to understand what is happening to Christ's true church. Headline from NewDailyCompass.com where we get this story that frames this whole discussion. There is schism within the church. We are simply not permitted to acknowledge it. The piece is written by Stefano Fontana and his thesis is pretty simple. For anyone with eyes to see and ears to hear, the church already is in a de facto state of schism. There are simply two religions occupying the same theological space, but we are not allowed to acknowledge it. The author doesn't exactly pull any punches here in his piece, and the whole thing is worth your time to read, so I have it linked for you today in today's show notes at returntotradition.org. That's the name of this podcast with a .org at the end. Simply look for the post with this episode title as its title, and you'll find the links there. And by the way, we gave the, fa- the website a facelift too, so let me know what you think of its new look. Mr. Fontana makes a lot of great points in his piece about the state of the church, but I'll just quote him once here. He prefaces this statement by going over the focal point of pretty much all discussions of schism in our time, the so-called German Synodal Way, which is the synod in Germany that is leading the church in that country off the theological cliff with their open call to embrace the uh, Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church topic, as well as ordaining everyone the world wants the church to ordain that we don't because theologically and metaphysically we can't, as well as putting the choosing of the bishops in that country up to the whims of the laity, as if church offices were just some other secular office to be competed for. The thing everyone misses is that the German synodal way is just a sign of a bigger problem. These opinions are embraced by at least 25% of Catholics in some places everywhere you look in the Novus Ordo Church, and on some topics up to 60%, and maybe even more, honestly, accept what the Germans are doing as valid. And that is what I want you to bear in mind as you hear the author say, after he started with the German Synod and the warnings they received, that they are on the brink of schism. Because Mr. Fontana asks a basic question, Is the church even capable in our time of identifying and defining schism coherently? Quote, Before this image of disintegration, one might ask whether or not a schism were inevitable. The principal question with regard to this matter seems to be the following. Does the official church still possess the theological notions which would permit it to face this disruptive entanglement? Or rather, has it lost those categories capable of understanding the problem and outlining a solution? Is there a mutual understanding of what a schism actually is? At this moment in time, is there a shared vision of why it is fundamental to avoid such rupture, as well as to whom the church should turn for decisive intervention when the danger is imminent? End quote. To put more simply, 
does the institutional church still possess authority to make authoritative claims about legitimacy, theology, morality, and reality? That is a scary question to be asking because it skirts a lot of other questions. And if your answer to the question is no, then the, that the church no longer possesses such authority, I do have to ask a question in response. Are you saying the church has defected? Because if you are saying that there is a massive theological problem in that answer, the church cannot defect. And once you realize that, it leads you to some unpleasant questions that also have to be asked. Questions about if the see of Peter is even occupied, or the various rather arcane responses to set of a contism that still permit resisting or ignoring Rome actually hold any water. Questions that the theologically minded commentators seem unwilling to address, and I, for the life of me, can't figure out why that is. And I'd address them, but I'm not a theologian, or I'd give you a talk on city planism and city privationism and all these other theological hypotheses about how to move forward in our time of chaos and loss of authority in the church. That article is really worth your read, but I'm going to use it here to really frame a discussion, which is that the schism in the church has at least three factions. On the one hand, you have people who simply want the same Catholic faith that was taught 100 years ago, and they recognize that at some point in the last 100 years, something changed in a very fundamental way, and most of us think it was Vatican II and its it, both the Council and its implementation. And that's really all most of us want, or rather, that's all that most of us really do want out of the church. That, and of course, for it to stand up for the faith against the, you know, inclinations of the secular world, we'll say. But the other factions are the moderate and conservative modernists who run things for, honestly, most of the post-Vatican II era until Francis, and the other are the hyper-modernists, the Francis faction and the Jesuits and so Sister Janine Gramics and Pastor Jimmy Martins and the German bishops and the rest of them that occupy all the influential spaces in the church. Those are your fault lines, with most of the faithful caught up in all of it trying to figure out what's happening in the church, if they're even paying attention to the state of things. And I have one example of, mo of a moderate faction and an example here from the hyper-modernist faction to really make this obvious for you. Let's start with something Sister Janine Gramic said recently to a media outlet on Francis appearing to say orthodox things about Jan the James Martin topic, as we have to call it here, while actually acting against it. She had this to say in an article on LifeSite, whose headline I have to modify to appease our super sensitive hosts. Headline, pro James Martin folks, none claims Pope Francis wasn't fully aware of contents and document condemning pro Jimmy Martin blessings. If you're not aware, the CDF issued a sort of a response to a dubia a few months ago, basically asking if the church had the right to or ability to offer blessings for the uh, contractual unions, we'll call them, between uh, the types of folks that J Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church is most focused on spending his time with. Sister Janine Gramic's basically saying that Francis didn't really read the document or care what its contents were and has no intention of enforcing it and has actually been working against the document that he signed using some rather questionable means. And as the FSSP learned earlier this week, that's to be expected. From the article, quote, the CDF document, a responsum ad dubium, answered in the, quote, negative as to whether the church had the power to give the blessing to unions of Jimmy Martin-type individuals, calling them illicit. But speaking to Halligan, the interviewer, Gramic said that while she was disappointed with Pope Francis for approving the document, she had been informed he had done so, quote, with no full knowledge of its contents. What I find out behind the scenes is that, yes, Pope Francis did sign off on the document, but, but with not full knowledge of what was in the document. And we now know within the last month or so that the person at the CDF who was really responsible for that document has been transferred out. So he's no longer there. 
Questioned by Halligan as to whether Pope Francis might therefore rescind the CDF document, Gramic answered that the removal of the official responsible for the document was Francis's way of rescinding the document. The way he rescinds it is to remove the person who did the damage and put in people who don't do damage in the future, she said. It's all very subtle, end quote. This faction is very fond of using the Catholic media, the secular media, and subterfuge to achieve their goals. This goes back to Vatican II, when the modernists made sure their theologians were the ones who assisted the bishops in writing the documents that the council would pass, as well as assisting in governance committees the council used to do rather rudimentary things like determine speaking schedules and getting meeting rooms for council subgroups to do their work, and all of the other nuts and bolts activities that keep things like ecumenical councils running. This is what happens when the faith and the census fidelium are replaced with, with a sort of theological materialism. On the other side, we have this prelate who spoke a simple truth to the faithful and to his brother bishops who seek to turn the church into an arm of the secular world. Archbishop Polak reminded everyone that the church is not an NGO with a secular mission, but rather it is a divinely instituted body with an eternal mission. Cath.net brings us this story, and here is what the bishop had to say on that. Quote, the church is not a supermarket. It is not a non-governmental organization or a charitable institution, but it is sent to bring Christ and his gospel. This is the essence of the church. This is the essence of every community. According to the press release, uh, the Archbishop uh, and Primate of Poland explained that in his sermon on April 30th at the Centenary Festival of the Parish of St. Virgin Mary in, in Szymosyn, he approvingly quoted Pope Francis's statement, if it were to happen that the church did not support Jesus, it would be a dead church. After all, the church does not support itself, but whether someone is small or large, weak or strong, quote, he carries Jesus and must be like Mary, who went to Elizabeth after the Annunciation and carried Jesus in her heart. Mary is the mother of our yes in the church. She is the mother of our yes in this church. Let's repeat yes to her with our lives, end quote. Between the two factions, you'll find different language being employed. Hypermodernists love their secular lingo and want the faith to flow up from the lady who are apparently the ones who have to decide what the faith teaches and what is or isn't true, while the moderates still possess to some degree or other the Catholic faith, even if it's muddied by bad ideas promulgated by earlier generations of modernists. They sound Catholic, whereas often enough, the other side simply sounds like talking heads you'd see on television. And that is where the fault line of the de facto schism is in our time. We are truly in a state of virtual schism. And the only point of disagreement I have with Mr. Fontana's analysis in the beginning is that the, while the church may be suffering under the diabolic disorientation that has entered the church to such a degree that it would have a hard time defining who or is or is not in schism, make no mistake, the hypermodernists following Francis's lead do possess that ability. And you and I know that the very worst of them want nothing more than to excommunicate the rest of us. And you know it's true because any bishop who is a moderate or even, dare I say it, one who has the traditional faith, the hyper-modernists come after them with a vengeance, often using subterfuge to take them down. Just ask Bishop Daniel Flores of Puerto Rico about that. If you haven't seen that video yet, watch my video from Tuesday and you'll see what I mean. But his treatment by itself points to a de facto virtual schism in the church. It just hasn't actually been actualized yet. So what did you think of this? article in this story that I went over for you today. Have I correctly described the various factions in the, in the church? Is there a virtual schism in the church and we're just not allowed to admit it, like Mr. Fontana says? Are we headed to an overt schism in the church where there will be an, an official breakup of things? 
let me know in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. And as I said at the beginning of this article, the article can be found posted on returntotradition.org in the post with the same title as this video. So go and have a look at the article if you've got the time to do so. Uh, let me know your opinions on this in the comments, please. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.